0: Requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through, so tell me why you mad even, your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens, each season, champion contenders, we drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba, <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer, okay, we about chips here, I'm talking about this. Yeah, band at 12 plus 6 head. Fast PP. Top rookie, I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tate. Brown, we off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvey Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date.
0: You heard? <laughs> <Aziz>.
1: <laughs> AJ, I,
0: I see you, man.
1: Welcome to... The Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And if you guys remember, a week ago, we were talking about the many different things that could happen on, uh, in the four games uh, with including the West Coast trip. And I did not imagine 4-0 was a possibility. I talked about this moment right here. You literally but,
0: said Eddie, you went against your, your normal
1: ethos that anything is possible. I literally did not think it was possible. I said, and if it happened, me and you would be sitting here on a Friday morning, both kind of uh, bleary-eyed, not getting a lot of sleep because it's a West Coast trip. I know Jay King's up till 5.30 in the morning writing articles you know, uh, and but like you got to be happy if you're a Celtics fan because the Celtics have ripped off five games in a row. They sweep their West Coast trip. Great win against the Portland Trailblazers. Danny Ainge said it was the best win of the season. Should have been a blowout against the Lakers. We can talk about the kind of bench shenanigans that happen later. But a five game winning streak uh, from this Celtics team is not something I thought was possible. And it's just, you know, what, a pleasantly surprised. It's just a you, you good feeling. Giddy. I, I absolutely am giddy. It's, I did not expect this from this Celtics team. And in order to to break down the five wins, Jay King for TheAthletic.com, go and read it. If you are not a subscriber, you can go to TheAthletic.com slash anything is potable. I think you get a subscription for three ninety nine a month, which is nothing, pennies, to get some great sports writing. But Jay King wrote the five most important things or trends that have occurred over this win streak. And so Jay and I will be going through them before getting to the potable six-pack, world-famous potable six-pack presented by Night Shift. So Jay, give me the number one thing, the most important thing that you thought uh, has led to this Celtics five-game winning streak. Well, the the trends I wrote weren't all like the five
0: most important because I've written about like the surging defense – and and the shot profile changes and stuff like that which
1: i think is is all very important um fine you just a five important trends we'll say i didn't read the lead i'm sorry i i I just saw the headline
0: i'll omit that to you hand up god damn it packard um i think i mean obviously one of the important things is that tatum and brown have been special during during this stretch you know this this four game streak that you thought wasn't possible it started with Tatum (laughs) did you
1: think it was possible just hold up there did you think before I don't remember you in that podcast saying oh (laughs) yeah
0: it started with Tatum scoring 53 points against the Timberwolves and kind of fending them off on a night the Celtics didn't have their best It ended with Jalen Brown scoring 40 points on absurd 17-for-20 shooting, which didn't even encapsulate how efficient he was because one of those misses was a heave at the end of the third quarter. Shout out to him for for taking that. Um, And those two guys, like, since the trade deadline, have basically been hovering at 50-40. Tatum's near the 92. Brown, not so much. but the efficiency has been ridiculous and they've been two of the, the highest efficiency, high volume scorers in the league since the trade deadline over the last 12 games. And when they get that type of production from Tatum and Brown, they're tough. They're tough. Um, And I think, I think their performance has a lot to do with Kemba Walker. It has a lot to do with Marcus smart, both of those guys playing facilitating roles Um, but, but Tatum and Brown, like they're, they are surging together and, you know, they started the season off great together. I think there was a lull for both of them for a little while, um, due to COVID, due to Jalen's knee, due to whatever else. Um, but those guys right now are back to playing really fantastic basketball.
1: Yeah. Everything seems to be clicking. I don't think it's a big surprise that, um, it coincides with like uh, Romeo coming back and being healthy, um, Tristan Thompson coming back and having an impact. But just their scoring alone, um, it's so much better, I guess, in a, in a team environment, if that makes sense, when it's like just those guys in the bench and you're solely relying on them. I think there's going to be clear down moments. I think we saw that. But when they're surrounded by good basketball players, when the defense is playing better and it just creates easier shots for them and they're no longer having to – like, just come back from these large leads or things like that. They're just going to be better. But I also think, and Brad Stevens has brought this up a number of times like, this is Jason Tatum, seemingly his thing is he, he gets better after the All Star break. He seemingly is a, just a second half scorer. I mean, in that uh, Trailblazers game, I think he had like eight points in the first half and then scored 17 or something ridiculous in the third quarter. He certainly seems to be a guy who's finding his rhythm. Um, and he's been absurd over the past seven games, 29 points per game, 50, 40, 90, the efficiency that you mentioned. It's just the team. If I'm a Eastern Conference playoff team, I do not want to see the Celtics, especially if they're playing like this much better. And we haven't even talked about Evan Fournier, who I think is going to be a tremendous help to their um, bench scoring. Like they are coming together at the right time. This is another thing we talked about. Can they build championship habits over these last 5 games and in, into the next month? Can they just come together? Can it be a magical like college-like season where I don't know, they just like rip off a, a nice couple of wins? All I'm saying is they're 7 and 2 since I declared the vibes to be immaculate. And so, can they the witches brew that is that vibes, can they create a potion of championship habits to continue this momentum going forward?
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's the
1: goal. And that's the goal. That's what Brad Stevens shows up at the office every day saying we got immaculate vibes right now. Let's get the witches brew of championship uh habits going. And to that
0: point, I think Tatum and Brown have both kind of shifted their pro- shot profiles a little bit. Fewer mid range jumpers for both those guys. Um more emphasis on getting to the rim and, and shooting three pointers. And I think that's important. Like that's that's really important. And those guys they're two guys who can operate in the mid range a little bit. Like you won't hate it if they do it a little bit, but, but they have been really high volume mid range shot takers, especially early in this season. And to cut some of that out to, to fire more threes, like that's important stuff for the Celtics as a team. And, and they're shooting a ton of three pointers now. Um, they are, they're, and once Fournier gets back, they'll, they'll I think, probably skyrocket in, in three-point attempts. Like, they'll just shoot a ton of them things. And, and I think part of it is just Kemba Walker is getting into the teeth of the defense and finding guys. Kemba Walker, like, eight straight games with six-plus assists, which may not sound like a lot, but he averaged 4.8 assists per game last season. Like, this is every single game is over what his average is and that's good (laughs) and he's obviously it helps that the Celtics are making shots but he's he's kind of tweaked his game a little bit to where he's going from score first to more of a facilitator role and I think we've seen his usage rate dip we've seen you know him step back and and let Tatum and Brown flourish and and now he's like actively helping those guys flourish by by getting into the paint and spraying it out and becoming more of like a a pass, passing point guard. And I I think that's important. I I really do. Um he hasn't shot well lately, but the Celtics offense has been basically unstoppable with him on the court. And so he, he his play of late has been different, but very, very effective.
1: Yeah, and it feels like, I don't know if he is solely to credit for this. I'm sure it's uh, a lot of the members of the team kind of buying in, but it just feels like the Celtics ball movement in general has been that much improved uh, over the kind of last Five games, I would say, over the last nine games since I declared um, the vibes to be immaculate. A lot of people on Twitter, um, I ask people for questions, and they they are just want to give me credit for uh, the vibe check that I provided to the team. So I just want to give a shout out to Rational Celt- at Rational Celtics, who um, s- said, known vibe declaration hater, J. King, is a fabulous hashtag he used, and People just want to give me credit for it, but I'm going to give credit to Kemba Walker. He's the second guy, uh, kind of trend that you've mentioned. His assists have just made um, the ball movement that much better. It feels like they're passing up good shots to get great shots. Marcus Smart, especially, uh, is just from what I remember in the Lakers and uh, Trailblazers game, of just very willing to make the extra pass. And it feels like they're getting much more wide open threes, which is good in the NBA, but uh, over this five game winning streak, they've got over 30 assists three times. That's just not something that we saw from the Celtics earlier in the year, but it is something we've seen and something that Brad's emphasized from his like better teams. is just kind of high assist um, percentages for made field goals. And so it does feel like Kemba is doing a lot to kind of get to the rim, drive and kick, create more options. And then, um, when it is slower half-court basketball, you can rely on Jason Tatum hitting a crazy step back or, or side step sidestep, or you can have uh, Jalen Brown getting to the rim. Jalen Brown against the Lakers just felt like Mark Gasol is not going to stop me, and so I will do whatever I can to just get into the paint and score at will. And then he followed it up uh, with just a ridiculous shooting performance from three. So that is the, the exact shot profile you want. Um, if you are the Celtics. And so it does, it just feels like everything is, is just better for them on the offensive end. And I think a, a lot of that starts with Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart just driving, kicking, and probing the basketball and um, it being less kind of a one on one game, just solely relying on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah, they've
0: gone from one of the lowest assist teams in the league to last 12 games since the trade deadline now 10th ranked 10th and and so that's a big transformation um and i think part of it is you know the emphasis on cutting playing through robert williams more um playing through the big guys more often like that that has opened things up for the celtics that has put more pressure on the rim put more pressure on defenses but then some of it is just having kemba and smart back and healthy and and playing and having continuity with the other guys. Like how, how often did Kemba and smart both play together during the middle part of the season? Smart was out for what, five weeks. Kemba wasn't playing on back-to-backs and there were a ton of back-to-backs during that stretch. So it was like, they never got both of those guys for, for months. And, and now, you know, Th- those guys are settling back in, and and they just make everything easier for for the guys around them, and and specifically Tatum and Brown. Like they don't have to carry as much, they don't have to create as much. They they can just be scorers and finishers sometimes, and I think that leaves them fresher for the fourth quarter. Like we've seen now, the this team that that struggled so badly in the fourth quarter for a while, now things. You know they're they're surging in the fourth quarter, and whether that's you know against the Nuggets a forty to, to eight run down the last fourteen minutes, whether it's the Blazers, you know fending off Dame Lillard down the stretch, um, like they've they've turned a corner in the fourth quarter, and and I I mean it, this is totally just guessing, but but I would imagine that it helps a lot that Tatum and Brown don't have to make every play the entire game so that when it does come to the fourth quarter, they're not gassed like like they were earlier. And then, obviously, Tatum is further removed from COVID, which also helps. Uh, we also
1: discovered that Tatum has started using an inhaler to help him out with his breathing. Maybe the inhaler is the key uh, to him feeling better. But I think you're absolutely right. Like It just feels like they're more comfortable in the fourth quarter. They're winning clutch games like they had, were leading the league in cl- the clutch games. It's actually pretty funny that the Celtics Lakers game ended up technically being a clutch game because the Lakers cut it to within five, although it shouldn't have never been that, but they pulled out that clutch game. They uh, won the clutch game against the um, Portland trailblazers. I thought Tatum was just excellent. Uh, even when they would send two. He had an amazing play where it kind of split two defenders and still was able to get to the line. But I think, In the Timberwolves game, we saw that when Tatum gets a lot of tension, he can kind of pass out of that double team and rely on his other players. I think to bring to your third kind of big trend, a lot has made much more sense for the Celtics team just aesthetically when they've gotten away from any sort of two big lineups. And just having a center rotation of Robert Williams and Tristan Thompson has been just made things much easier on – the offensive end, the spacing looks uh, so much better. Robert Williams is playing very well in kind of the starting role. Uh, but then Tristan Thompson, since he's come back from COVID, has just been phenomenal. Just the exact kind of energy and physicality off the bench. 14 points um, in the start in the Lakers game. Uh, six rebounds, five assists. Five assists from Tristan Thompson. Like I did not think that was coming. He got the ball in the paint and passed it out at least five times. He's just been very good. And uh I was quick to slander him early in the season and I regret it now because solid
0: basketball player. Yeah, and I think he just like Tice was he was hampered by the lineups that he was in. Like like we because he was playing center still, I think we didn't give him as much a break as we gave to Daniel Tice, who was playing more out of position. But ever since those two center lineups have stopped, Thompson has looked way, way better. And it, that Lakers game, he he was he was passing out. He had an offensive rebound, instantly turned and found Jason Tatum in the corner.
1: Okay, all right. He's- it's kind of wild after he declared the regular season to be horseshit. He's been playing his ass off and making horse salad out of horse shit. Like, he's been doing some things that is just impressive. Horse salad? It's from the uh, famous saying, making chicken salad out of chicken shit. I was kind of adapting it, you know, as a goof. Nice goof. Um, (laughs) Thank you. I thought it was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I tweeted it last night. No one liked it, but I brought it back again, and same response.
0: (laughs) Yeah, your second try... Went pretty much save as the first. Got to um, keep getting
1: shots up. But,
0: yeah, I mean, and since he's come back, the Celtics have been able to play. I mean, obviously, Robert Williams missed the Lakers game. But when those two guys are both healthy, now you have 48
1: minutes of pretty good center play. and Which is huge, just considering, like, we watched the Trailblazers play, and they – Just it was so nice to be able to just watch uh, the Celtics target Ennis Cantor and just abuse Ennis Cantor and all of the kind of statistics on the Blazers. Like the Blazers are the worst second quarter team in the league because that's when Ennis Cantor plays the most minutes. And just like having a competent center out there for all 48 minutes of basketball just helps your team so much. And so in games in which both Tristan Thompson and Robert Williams can play the majority of the center minutes and then you mix in a little like small ball five uh, with Grant, I just think is so much, like it's just of such value to this team because we can, we see when you just have, you need a guy with size out there, but when you just run someone out there like Ennis Cantor or um, Luke Cornette sometimes, although he did have a, a number of blocks against the Lakers game, it just makes it so much harder. And so the ability for both Thompson and Williams just to give them 48 solid minutes of center production I think just makes this team's ceiling that much higher.
0: Yeah, and, and obviously they have less insurance against injury. Like if if Robert Williams gets injured in the playoffs, if Tristan Thompson gets injured in the playoffs, there's a huge drop off from those guys to Cornet and Mo Wagner. Um but as long as they're healthy, the rotation's good and and they don't have to feel the need to play two center lineups like they did for most of the season the the rotation has made a lot more sense lately as the Celtics have gotten healthy and shifted some of their resources toward you know the perimeter like everything just makes so much more sense now um, from a lineup perspective like like the the Tice Thompson lineups were awful defensively they gave up a ton of points the Pritchard Teague lineups were awful defensively they gave up a ton of points Shout out to Jeff Teague for uh,
1: dunking in an NBA basketball game this week.
0: Yeah, first dunk of the season for Mr. Jeffrey. Um, but, yeah, back to the, the, <laughs> the Celtics. Uh, and then I think, like, their rotation has has been tweaked a little bit. And, you know, with Fournier out, it's, it's pretty consistently been Thompson, Grant Williams, and Romeo Lankford off the bench. And they just bring a level of physicality, a level of toughness, and a level of versatility that the Celtics can rely on. And and so when their best players haven't been in the game, the Celtics' defense has just been awesome. And so that's that's helped them. I mean, it helped change the Nuggets game. They were down 14 to the Nuggets. Those guys come in, get a whole bunch of stops. Kembo gets out, le- leaks out the other end of a few times, and boom, the game has changed. Um, and I think Grant Williams has kind of been the un- unsung hero through this. He's had sort of a tough season. You know, he's he's fouled a lot. Um, his playing time has been up and down. But I think over the past few weeks, like he's really found his place um, and just really defensively made an impact for them. He he's not scoring at all. Like, he scored ten points, I think, over the last. 10 or so games, eight games, whatever it is.
1: Knocked down a three from a pass from, I believe, Tristan Thompson. So that was impressive. But you're right, no points. Yeah,
0: very few points. Um, But when you have him and Romeo and Tristan Thompson in in the second unit, it's tough to score on those guys. And so the Celtics, it feels like they found a a little bit of an identity. Obviously, it's going to shift when Evan Fournier comes back. Um, But, like, they've just... They've turned themselves into a bruising team with that second unit. And it's worked. It's worked so far.
1: Yeah, it's kind of wild how little Romeo and Grant do on offense, but how good the team looks when they're in the games. And I think it's just purely physicality and ability to switch on defense. And just the switch. Like Grant is not he's not the like best defender in terms of moving to speed out on the perimeter, but he's like solid enough where, yeah, he's going to pick up some fouls sometimes, but he's just been very good. From your article, over the last 12 games, the Celtics have outscored teams by 15.8 points per 100 possessions with Grant on the court. That's wild. Um, And I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Fournier comes back and just how that affects the rotation. I don't know if he takes minutes from Romeo because I think Grant has more value – to this team is just like a bigger body. Like the main thing he provides is just physicality. He's always been a high effort player, always a hustle play. And just like, I think that he's just like kind of a bruiser. And so it's going to be interesting to see um, kind of what happens when Fournier returns, but I do think he's kind of the key. And at this point, and this kind of ties into a question from one of our listeners at Nicholas underscore Kochi or K-O-C-I um, do we feel a little bit better about giving Cornette minutes if necessary um, in the event that Rob or Tristan Thompson is out or in foul trow- trouble from what we saw him? My answer is I would rather go small ball five with Grant in the lineup than go to Cornette. Despite Cornet being able to block the Lakers five times, I just have more faith in kind of the defense of Grant. Where do you see kind of the center rotation playing out, it, say if they need a third center? Is it more – uh, the Green Cornet, which Scal is really trying to force, or do you think it is uh, Grant Williams?
0: I think it's got to be Grant in the playoffs because, I mean, we see it even with Rudy Gobert sometimes where where teams are able to, to scheme him a little bit and put him in situations where he's, you know, just less capable of handling it. Um, they take him out of his comfort zone. So Cornet, a guy who – you know, has to do a lot of drop coverage. There's just not that versatility um, that you really need come playoff time. And so I think like last year in the playoffs, Grant Williams at center pretty consistently was a very good defensive option, no matter who the Celtics were playing and the Celtics were able to switch everything. Um, they were able to to withstand physicality. Um, so I think I lean toward Grant for sure. Um I just think he's he's more impactful and especially, you know, when when the level of play gets really high, then I think teams will be able to attack uh, Cornet in ways that they can't do with Grant Williams.
1: Yeah, it just feels like once the playoffs come, switching becomes so much more of an important factor on defense and you can just target Cornette with any sort of smaller guard and teams would just attack him to shred. So I was actually surprised – I thought Cornette struggled in the first half against the Lakers game. I guess, you know, it's still the regular season and the uh, Celtics were playing well enough to give him a a try in the second half. But I I also would go with Grant at the small ball five. Now the final fifth trend. It's not all positivity here. We're not – it's not everyone's just happy, you know, just going talking about the immaculate vibes, although that's mostly what we're talking about. There has been one negative trend through this kind of recent run, and that has been turnovers, just a ridiculous amount of turnovers in the Lakers game. Uh, I'm not really sure why that is, but it certainly feels like it's been like with the increased ball movement has come increased, I guess, riskier passes and just are like trying to force the ball too much. And it has led to a, just like, a I don't know, a sizable uptick in turnovers. It, it feels like a sizable uptick, but you're you're the journalist. Explain it to me.
0: Yeah, the, the Celtics. It's weird because under Stevens, they've always, always, always done a good job protecting the ball. Kemba Walker's teams, dating back to his time in Charlotte, have always, always, always been near the top of the leaderboard in turnover percentage. But this year, the Celtics have had turnover issues, and it it, it has been pretty persistent, even during you know this upswing. I think like you said part of it is just their focus on ball movement like guys are getting to the rim and trying to spray out and sometimes making bad decisions um but like it's it's not the the most distressing trend right now but like we remember what happened in the Miami series when every turnover they had was just like boom gone the other way
1: bucket huge play. And so they need to start practicing against the zone right now because we know it's coming. The zone is coming, but yeah. So
0: turnovers is definitely something they've got to clean up and, and maybe something that should be expected to, to slow down a little bit. But, but I think when, when you're running a lot of offense through Robert Williams and, and you're trusting like Jalen Brown to, do more playmaking than ever and like there's some amount of turnovers that you're probably just going to have to live with. Time uh, Lord
1: is going to just fire the ball into the crowd at least once a game just because he's ambitious passer like he sees guys cutting and it's just like thinks he can get away with things and he just throws it very fast uh, just completely out of bounds at least once a game but like I would rather him doing that I like like him the idea of him creating or like looking for cutters, is just kind of, you're right. Something you have to accept with the personnel you're putting out on the court. Yeah. And, and
0: like, he's done a, a fair job of, of limiting turnovers this season. He hasn't been a huge turnover guy. It hasn't been like during some points last year where he was just like firing outlet passes to nobody. Um, But I do think there's like an adjustment period of, of leaning on guys and, and changing the the offense to try to be like less isolation and and more ball movement. Um, but yeah, they, they need to clean they need to clean stuff up and and historically, like Kemba has been a super low turnover guy, Tatum has been a super low turnover guy, Jalen has been a very low turnover guy, um, and maybe that's because like he doesn't pass that much, <laughs> hasn't passed that much in the past. But historically, all those guys are are very good at that. So, it's something that this team could eventually turn into a strength, I think.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And maybe like we'll see Fournier coming back, from having more shooters, more just, he's a just decent playmaker. It's something to keep an eye on, but I don't think it's like a huge detriment uh, to what they're doing right now. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, before we get to the world-famous Night Shift Potable Six Pack, we do have a couple of listeners' questions. Some of them we are kind of already addressed uh, in our five trends topics, so I'm going to avoid those, But so if you ask something like that, Appreciate your question. But this first one is from at Ben Anderson. Can Marcus Smart make all defensive first team even though he missed so much time? Uh, Ben thinks he's picked up his defense again tremendously and wondering if it's too late for Marcus Smart to make it. Uh, Do you think he can still make all defensive first team? I don't think it's too late. I just think he missed too much time. So you do think it's too late? Because he's missed too much well, time. Well, not necessarily that
0: like he turned it on too late. I just think like he missed too much time. He missed more than a month with a torn calf. Um, then came back, was on a
1: minutes restriction. So I just Who are that- the guards that would make it over? him? I like I don't know exactly how voters think? It's gonna be a weird year. In terms of just uh, awards voting, because it feels like everyone has missed a little bit of time. Where yeah, that's probably fair, maybe that gives him more of a shot. But if you wanted to put together a highlight package for Marcus Smart, first team all defense, I think you just show what he did against Dame in that Trailblazers game. Like, I think that was one of the better defensive performances Marcus Smart's turned in in a while. And so, I'm trying to think of like who would be competing with him for. Uh, first team guard positions. It depends how you characterize Ben Simmons. I think if Ben Simmons is a guard for the voting, he's clearly going to get a spot because he's been playing well and campaigning for defensive player year for the whole season. Um, but I don't know. Eric Bledsoe, didn't he make first team all NBA defense recently? I don't yeah, think he name. will not
0: be making it this year,
1: so I don't know who exactly there's probably other guys out there, but I'm not smart enough to know exactly who comes to mind. But all this I'm trying to say is Marcus Smart's very good at defense still, and his effort against Dame was phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's an elite defender, one of the very best in the league, and and I I, I think you know it's it's funny because when the Celtics were in the middle of their rough spell, um, it was like it was hard to kind of discuss it all because they were dealing with a lot (laughs) and and you don't want to just keep going back to that as, as an excuse and it obviously wasn't the only reason why they were struggling but like smart he was gone for a long time with a torn calf so it was natural for him not to be at his peak performance when he came back and and so i think it He has played really, really great defense recently. That Portland game was like – there were some sequences in that game that were just special from Marcus Smart. Um, And and he's been consistently very, very good on that end lately, just like you expect him to be very, very good on that end lately. Um, I don't know if he missed too much time, I guess, I would lean toward he probably did miss too much time to to make an all defensive team, but I'm not I haven't like poured through it and and looked at who else should be on the team or who, who should be, you know, considered other than him. So so maybe I'm wrong on that one. And either way, like in a big game, in a big moment, not many guys you'd rather have than Marcus Smart at the guard position.
1: Yeah. And I think I just want to hone in on one thing he says. like the Celtics were dealing with a lot. And there's so many things going on. And then the trade deadline happened. The trade came. And some would say the vibes changed. Now, some of us were bold enough to put our asses out there on the line and declare the vibes had changed. And uh, that's people like me because I could sense that they were dealing with a lot. But no longer would had they a need to face such adversity. And you could just feel it. You put your finger in the winds. You could feel uh, the changing vibes. And so you're right. The, they are playing much better now that they have to deal with a lot less. And the thing is the potential for this team. We don't even know what Fortier can do. He's had basically one or two games where he's had an impact, but it's going to be very interesting to see how they play, if they can continue up the ke- chemistry um, when he comes back. The next question from Larry Birdie Mittens at Birdie Mittens. Seems like the seas. Are headed in the direction of the four or five seed in a series against the Atlanta Hawks. What do you think about that matchup? Uh, Larry Birdie Mittens feels like the Seas have more talent, but you kind of are scared of Trey Young, especially with what Trey Young has done to the Celtics this season. I mean, f- first of all, the, the standings are very bunched. It won't
0: necessarily be Atlanta if the Celtics get in that four or five matchup. If they do play Atlanta, I think you've got to make what's the best
1: matchup for them, assuming they get the four seeds. Like who would they most want to see in that fifth seed that can and, actually think will make it? Anybody except Miami? Don't you just want to well, I guess you're not a fan. Don't you want to beat Miami and exercise the demons? Um I think you'd rather just just play beat the up, Hawks just and just beat the shit out move, of the Knicks on, or the man. Hornets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that's fair. But what do you think specifically about the Hawks matchup? Because yeah, I, I, I they, think the their Celtics vibes be- are immaculate too, since they fired uh, Lloyd Pierce and Nate McMillan should be coach of the year at this point with like the turnaround he's had in Atlanta.
0: Yeah. But the Celtics would be heavy favorites. Um, first of all, they've, they've done it before they've, they've been to the playoffs. A lot of the, those Atlanta guys, Trey young hasn't sniffed a big game um, since he's been in the NBA. Same with a number of their other young players, so I think the Celtics would be heavy favorites. I think you'd be able to target Trey Young defensively every single time, just run run stuff at him, um, and I think you know in a, in a playoff series
1: that would probably matter a lot. Um, and Danilo Gallinari probably won't hit ten threes a game. Like he and might you might never get- know. You might he might get one game of that. Like it might be a Danilo game and the Hawks can steal it, but I don't know if that's sustainable over the entire uh a series against the Celtics. You're right. Yeah, I think the- I might be dismissing the the Hawks too
0: quickly though. Like they they have been great lately. They've they've Bogdanovich is back and pouring in buckets. Uh their offense is really good. Clint Capella has changed their defense, so Maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but I do think if the Celtics play them in round one, like that's a pretty good matchup for Boston.
1: Yeah. And you just don't, as much as I want to exercise the demons against the Heat, I just, that would be too stressful. The Heat have been there. They have Bam. They have Jimmy Butler. Like, I think the easiest round one uh, opponent is probably the easier opponents would be the Hornets, the Knicks, uh, teams like that. But I just don't think they have it what it takes. I think the four, five, six seed are going to come down to the Hawks, Celtics, and Heat, just because I think they have the most talent. But it is going to be interesting um, moving forward. I had a question for you. This is something I was talking about um, on another podcast I produced, so I'm going to do shameless plug here, not here to argue with Tyler. I am, Trill Withers, but the Olympics start in July, right? And so – all we've heard about this season is like, wait, the schedule's insane. They didn't have an off season. too many back-to-backs, crazy amount of injuries with Jamal Murray. If you were Danny Ainge, would you let, and the Celtics make a playoff run of any size, would you have any of your players play in the Olympic team? Because that's supposed to start like mid-July, and the finals are supposed to basically go through the early July. Like It seems like all of these players need – a time off, they need an off-season. Who are you going to have play on that 2021 U.S. Olympic team?
0: Well, first of all, it's the Olympics, so it'll be like all the great players will be playing, I assume.
1: No, Um, like if I'm LeBron and I make a finals run, I don't want to play on that Olympics team. Okay, well, the Olympics
0: are normally more loaded than the team that had Jalen, Kemba, Jason, and Marcus Smart on it what was that a couple years ago
1: yeah I think uh, only Jason and Jalen would be like candidates to play on like the full-fledged Olympic team but at this rate I don't think any player if if your team makes the playoffs this year I don't think your player should play in the Olympics just for like player health and safety I know it's like a point of national pride for a lot of guys I know people in Canada were freaking out because Jamal Murray's injury hurts Team Canada's uh chances but it just seems like in the interest of player safety and player health to go through this crazy season after having a shortened offseason off season and then to go to the Olympics just feels like it's insane. So my idea is the bottom five teams in each league, those are the only teams that can send uh, guys to the Olympics. And it's going to be De'Aaron Fox and Darius Garland and just leading the Americans to gold. Colin Sexton, bro. Shea Gildris Alexander, is he Canadian? For some reason I feel like he's Canadian. No, I think he's from LA. I think he's you can still Carl Anthony Towns can play for the Dominican team, Anthony Edwards. Just send a bunch of young guys, send Cade Cunningham. I just don't think there's any value to sending NBA players over there uh for the Olympics.
0: Yeah, it's I mean it's been a ridiculous stretch for NBA players. And like obviously there's an argument that a lot of the players should sit that out. And especially the teams that went deep in the bubble. You know, like there was a pause in the NBA season, but that doesn't mean guys were able to just like check check out. Cause they didn't know when the season was going to come back. Um, and then they get to the bubble. Then it's the quickest off season probably in NBA history. And there just hasn't been much time for guys to rest. The games this season have been coming one after another, like so quickly, back to backs everywhere. The the travel has been insane. Um so yeah, like rest rest is going to be important this offseason. Um but like it's it's tough to turn down an opportunity to play in the Olympics too and and I think the, the choice would be up to each individual player. So we'll see.
1: It's a great opportunity say to get like maybe Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal on the same team, do some recruiting. Everyone always talks about how those Olympic teams, USA basketball is where all the stars kind of come together and build the next super team. So it's going to be interesting to see from that dynamic. But it's just a an interesting conversation I wanted to bring up and also give my other podcast a shameless plug. So I was able to do both. Final listener question from Passy underscore R1. Don't know how Jay's going to react to this question, but I was a huge fan. I've been thinking of Celtics themed band names and he lists a couple. And um, so there's the Olinic clinic, the wheelchair game, mad Brad, the Jordan Crawford experience, Yabu dab, the Keith Bogan sextet, Tyler Zeller's soft hands, or my personal favorite Jay King and the shot clock violations. What was your favorite of those band names? And do you have any uh, uh, band name suggestions of your own?
0: Well, what Twitter user was that from?
1: Passy underscore R1. Hey, Passy, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Jay King and the Shot Clock Violations is an electric name. Tyler Zeller's Soft Hands is wonderful. Um, I was trying to think of my own. I could only think of ones that are like Bradisms. So, like, this band is a joke, I thought would be uh, a good one. That's just our uh, uh, one of the names what I wanted to name this podcast was this podcast is a joke. The other bradism that I've noticed recently is and I'm trying to determine where this falls on the hierarchy of like brad complimenting someone if it is above a player being a joke or not but if brad says a player has a nice way about them that's like the best compliment he can give a guy. If someone has a good way about them that's phenomenal. And I don't know if it works for a band name, but, like, the way about him, that's the highest compliment Brad can give you. I think it's more impactful than a joke, having a good way. Yeah, he does love guys who have a good way about them. Jay Crowder had a great way about him. I think he talked about him recently. Just, like, it's,
0: it's – Great ways. Great, great ways.
1: ways. Jay King, I'm going to say it right now. You have a great way about you.
0: Well, Passy doesn't. Go fuck, fuck <laughs> Passy.
1: Well, Passy's a wonderful individual for coming up with all of those. And so uh, if, Jay those King, uh-uh. if Jay King's just mad because sh- there were other shot clock violation mentions in the questions that I didn't even get to Uh tuxedo octopus asked who would have been better team to play last night, last night's bench unit or Jay King dribbling the air out of the ball for 23 and three, three and three quarters seconds, and then passing it to Mo Wagner. But I didn't even mention that question. So, um, You know who else has a great way about them, Jay? Our fine friends at Night Shift. You know what beer has a great way about it? The Santilli IPA. It's delicious. Its taste is a joke. It's so good. It uh, fuels our podcast, and it's one of just my favorite IPAs. Jay and I enjoy Night Shift all the time, and you guys should be enjoying Night Shift too. If you want to figure out where you can buy Night Shift, go to nsbeer.co slash beerfinder and you can figure out what liquor store near you sells Night Shift. That's up and down the East Coast. Also, if you live in the Boston area, they will deliver Santilli IPA and its great way to you. Just go to nsbeer.co slash beer finder, and you will figure out a way to get Night Shift. Jay King, since you have spent some time slandering our listeners who spent their hard-earned Twitter dollars typing up questions for us, giving us content – I'm going to take the first pick in the Santilli night shift potable six pack. And it has to be a thousand percent. The sequence from the Portland trailblazers game, Marcus smart goes diving onto the floor. uh, Just an absolutely absurd attempt to try and steal a basketball that he came nowhere close to getting just like a really absurd dive attempt to come sprinting back into the play and get the steal. It was Uh, Another great, hilarious highlight from Marcus Smart and just shows exactly him going balls to the wall, maximum effort. Uh, So much so that it's like was absurd in the first half of the highlight, but then he just completely made up for it in the second half. It was just a wonderful Marcus Smart moment.
0: I feel like he has his own genre of highlights. Like, like he has the hustle plays and like just absurd sequences that basically nobody can match. On a consistent basis and he does it pretty consistently there was the other play in that game when when he was he blocked norm powell in transition and then just stole an entry pass moments later to a big man and it's like all right like you're you're ridiculous marcus smart
1: do you think norm powell has nightmares about going up on transition uh layups against marcus smart he he's got to stop trying to do
0: that. Norms had some tough moments <laughs> against Marcus.
1: No, Marcus Smart got beat once by that in Norm Powell, and ever since he's like figured it out, and now he's just like absolutely swallows Norm Powell up at the backboard every single time. It's just wild. You're right. He had it's like the Marcus Smart highlight package is unlike anything else, just because it's all insane hustle plays, and then just like bizarre like just the shot making that marcus smart pulls out sometimes he had some like kind of crazy layup where he like scooped it around the body uh high off the glass against the trailblazers he just does ridiculous things consistently and that highlight was fantastic yep i'm gonna go my first pick tristan
0: thompson's airball free throw (laughs) just a special free throw that thing was like eight feet short and then to make it even better he he was laughing about it and like practicing his form afterward. Like that that got to him. That got to him a little bit. Air ball free throw,
1: never good, but always great. Um, it was a great moment. He kind of shrugged it off. People were laughing at him, but it's it's embarrassing moment and something you can do when you're up twenty five. Yeah, although that lead almost went away.
0: It almost went away. Um. The other – I'm going to go with Jalen Brown's third-quarter heave. I I could have gone with many other moments from his 40-point outburst. He had some – the ridiculous around-the-back move in transition was just special. It caused Tristan Thompson and Kemba Walker to just lose it while dancing on the bench. Um, His shot-making was fantastic. He was getting to the hoop at will but to me i just loved the willingness to heave it. He was having a great game. The Celtics were up a lot. He didn't need to heave it. He, he was could have helped, He 13 could have held and on
1: 14 it. from the field at that point.
0: He had made 11 straight field goals at that point. He was on a ridiculous streak and he risked it all to throw up a heave that had very little chance of going in and i i respect that. There is very little more i that bothers me more than when a guy just puts in his pocket at the end of a half, at the end of a quarter and refuses to take that shot. I I respect anybody willing to, to fire away. And, and Jalen did even,
1: even in a, a super hot streak. So shouts to him. Salute. He did not care about his shot percentages whatsoever, even though he was having a crazy efficient game. I agree. My pick has got to be the close of the Portland game. Just how obnoxious it was that Norm Powell hit that quick three. But then, I don't know who most of the credit goes to. Is it Marcus Smart for actually being able to intentionally miss a free throw? Is it Brad Stevens for drawing up a trap of Damian Lillard? It just everything worked out, and so credit has to go for someone. I've never really seen that at the end of a basketball game, an intentional miss and a trap because the Trailblazers had no timeouts, but uh, it was a cool way to end the game that I've just never really seen before.
0: Yeah, and the, it's hard to intentionally miss a free throw and do it right. Marcus did it perfectly. And what what Which game was it? Was it earlier this season when he botched that very badly? Yeah. And everyone botches it. It is extremely hard to miss a free throw on purpose for whatever reason. Mark is because they always fire it off
1: the rim. You think they would like try to get higher arc on that? Well, it's also a different circumstance because the one he botched it was like the Celtics were down and trying to get an offensive rebound. This one being up and trying to miss it feels like an entirely different thing. It feels like when you're down, you want to get a high arc because then it's like who knows where the rebound's going to go. When you're up, I don't even know what the strategy is for like trying to get the the rebound that puts you in the best defensive position, but. It was cool of Brad to have like the trap in immediately and Dame Lillard to have nowhere to go.
0: It, it was solid execution all the way around.
1: All right. My next pick. This is something that there was some flashback moment Um in like this. This happened so many years ago. The 1957 NBA finals. The game seven was a double overtime game. That's insane. Like to have a. NBA Finals Game Seven, double overtime. The Celtics eventually pulled it out. I think winning 125 to 123. But maybe I'm just ignorant. But I just it never really struck me, or like I've never really thought about that. But that's insane. Listen to Tommy Heinsohn's line from that game. He had 28 points. Oh, hold on, I just had the box score up. Tommy Heinsohn in Game 7 had 37 points and 23 boards when Bill Russell turned in 19 points and 32 boards. That's a wild, just a wild thing to happen. I'm all for Game 7 double overtimes. Just completely was unaware that it happened and uh, just needed to to talk about it because that's absurd.
0: Good pick, man. Really, really relevant stuff.
1: Do you want me to talk about more stuff? Game 1 of that series was also a double overtime game which the St. Louis Hawks won a 125 to 123. Sweet. I've also been listening to this um, lecture series about the Gilded Age and have a lot of stories about the 1880s I could tell
0: you Okay, it's time to shut off your mic.
1: Did you know Thomas Edison? No.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: (laughs) The Industrial Age completely changed our relationship. All right, my pick
0: (laughs) is is going to be (laughs) Jason (laughs) Tatum. Game ceiling three against Portland. Just a tough shot. And a shot that if he had missed, people would have let him I- hear about it. He didn't miss. It was in CJ McCollum's jawline. Just just draped all over him. Didn't matter. Tatum Tatum hit a ridiculous shot. He he has played phenomenally over the last few weeks. Um, really at or even surpassing the level that he played at toward the end of last regular season when he was just phenomenal. So things are looking up for the Celtics.
1: I would say so. Five games in a row, seven and two, since I declared the vibes to be good. They have a pretty easy schedule coming up just, or at least the rest of the year. They have some tough games against the Suns, Brooklyn. And then I think they have two games against the Heat late, but, Otherwise, they're playing kind of teams in middle in the pack, so we'll have to see if they can keep it going. No matter what happens, Jay and I will uh, continue to be here to talk about it. I'll continue to share moments and my observations from um, these lecture series about the Gilded Age that Jay seems to enjoy so much. But we'll also talk about the Celtics and everything that's going on. If you guys enjoy the show, thanks for listening. Thanks to everyone who wrote in questions. Sorry if we didn't get to your specific question this week. We tried to cover everything. But uh, please subscribe to the show, rate it five stars, do all those things. And thank you for listening to this episode of anything is possible.